step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Thanks to you, our listeners, KRBN Internet News Talk Radio is growing and is now available on more stations such as Facebook Video, Player.fm, iTunes, Verbal, and now on Amazon Audible. KRBN Internet News Talk Radio currently does not receive any funding to bring you these programs. However, we do ask that you hit that like button and tell your friends to help this station grow. And thank you again for your support. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show. With your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bosevich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And it truly is beautiful. I mean, it's gorgeous out. I got my window open here beside me, and uh, I almost did the show from the patio, but I was a little bit concerned that my next door neighbor might start mowing his lawn or something in the middle of the show because I just came in from trying to get mine mowed and once the show's done i gotta go back out and finish it before it gets dark because it's gonna rain tomorrow and i just had i I missed i was busy this weekend and didn't quite get the mowing done so i've got some catch-up work to do but that's life in the northwest um gotta get your uh you know mowing in while you can we have a lot to talk about today and i'm gonna talk about some some kind of zoning stuff that you know gets a little bit geeky at times but it's important to understand some of what's going on there because if you live in lane county and you live in four zone land this is a really important issue for you but we are a call-in show and i will take whatever topic people want to talk to me about because you know one of the reasons i do this show is i am a county commissioner it's an opportunity for my constituents to reach out and talk to me live with us with an audience to get answers or ask questions it's also an opportunity just for anyone to talk to an elected a local elected official about you know government process or whatever or just to bring up whatever topic you want to to get out there in front of the uh, Bose Nose audience. And the number is 646-721-9887. And don't forget to press one if you wanna talk because that raises a little hand on our, our board here and lets us know that you want to actually talk on the show versus listen to the show, which we do have people call in and listen pretty regularly on the Bose Nose show because not everybody can be in front of a computer um, for the hour between four and five on Wednesday if they want to listen live. Um, of course, you know, the Bose Nose Show is, you know, is a podcast. After a little while, 
Blog Talk Saves That Podcast, and you can listen to it anytime you want after that. Of course, we also do the Facebook Live thing, and you can also play the Facebook Live broadcast anytime you want. So you don't have to listen to us live, but if you are and you want to talk, 646-721-9887, and don't forget to press 1 because that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation here on the Bo's Nose Show. So, like I said, I've got some zoning geeky stuff to talk about today, but I, I have to do a quick explanation. Um, you know, Oregon's got Senate Bill 100 that was passed way back in the 70s, made zoning and planning for land use a statewide effort. And uh, each county and city had to adopt comprehensive plans that had to be um uh, you know, acknowledged by the state as meeting state law that reflects the state's zoning codes and all that. And as part of that, um, we have to protect what they call Goal 5 natural resources, um, which can be conflicting at times because aggregate for construction is considered a Goal 5 resource, and so is wetlands or um, you know, beaches and dunes have, have protections, and then there's the Willamette Greenway, and then there's big game habitat, and uh, there's other planning goals besides Goal 5 uh, around housing, et cetera. So you got to balance all these things, and quite often they're in conflict with each other. But as part of that, we have a rural comprehensive plan here in Lane County, and we zoned um, – most of the county is zoned resource lands and not really available for development. And uh, quite a bit of it is zoned forest land, and quite a bit of it is zoned agricultural land or farm use. Um, it's, you know, you have to have a pretty big parcel to get a house on those zones, and um, there's a lot of restrictions to developing them. And in fact, we even split our forest zone into two types of zoning. F1, which is considered the high value forest lands that we basically said, this is forest land. It can be used for timber production if it's in private hands or it's, you know, a lot of our F1 zone lands also overlap our federal forest. But the vast majority of Lane County is zoned F1. It's the largest unit of zoning in the entire county. It covers roughly about two-thirds of our county's land area. And then there's something called impacted forest lands, which is F2. And the reason they're called impacted forest lands, it's usually around the borders between that real commercial, expansive forest that you know as Oregon and more urban development. It's a transition zone, so to speak. So that's why they're referred to as impacted forest zones. And in F2, you're allowed to actually build a house on that on that land, provided you can prove certain things. Well, we did that, you know, to protect forest lands and, and prevent sprawl and you know meet some of the statewide planning goals, including the goal five goal around protecting big game habitat. Um, and 
in our big game habitat, we acknowledge that the state ODF and W has some recommendations around that. And we, we basically make a reference to those protections and talk about um, enforcing them by region. Well, we never did in the, you know, since the 80s when we adopted a rural comprehensive plan, we never did define what we meant by region. And generally for the last, you know, almost uh, 40 years, we have interpreted our goal five big game habitat protection to mean, you know, you look at an area and look at the density and this ODF and W says, you know, if it's major big game habitat, which is the, you know, the highest value, which almost exactly overlaps our F1 zone, but our F2 lands, if it's major big game habitat, you, you can't have a density of more than one dwelling unit for 80 acres. And if it's impacted or what they call peripheral big game habitat, um, you could get one dwelling unit for every 40 acres. Now, for the last 40 years almost, we have interpreted that broadly to, to basically look at a very large area and say, you know, somebody builds a, a house that's got F1 on one side of it, maybe RR on the other, but in general, if you look at the, the, the vicinity, even though they're building their house on a 10-acre parcel of F2, um, as long as they can meet all the setbacks, et cetera, and get a you know a driveway and, and have all the everything else, you can build that house because the overall density in the region was less than 80 acres, you know, dwelling one dwelling unit for 80 acres or less, or less than one dwelling unit for 40 acres, depending on what the the big game habitat designations were for that particular parcel. Well, fairly recently, Landwatch. Lane County uh, appealed one of those decisions up through um, to the Land Use Board of Appeals. And a decision was made and upheld that we should be looking at that on a on the individual parcel basis. So if you have an F2 piece of property that's less than 80 acres in major big game habitat, you can't put a dwelling on it. And if you have one in, in peripheral big game habitat that's less than 40 acres, you can't put a dwelling on it because they're now looking at just the parcel, which makes so little sense because big games, you know, range that they wander in, deer and elk, is a whole lot bigger than a 20-acre parcel. Put us kind of in a conundrum. But at yesterday's board meeting, we were reviewing our code versus state law. And this is one place with this interpretation that our code is creating a higher requirement than state law really is meant to. And I asked the board to go in and, and start the process of putting a definition of region into our rural comprehensive plan. Something that was clear and objective about how to look at that density rather than this fail-safe um, safe harbor of only looking at the parcel that, that LUBA has forced us into, um, 
that's basically making a lot of people's retirement investment properties worth almost nothing other than the standing timber that's on that piece of property. And one of the reasons why it's F2 is it, it's got neighbors and stuff that if you do go in there harvest, people are probably going to complain. You know, that's, it's supposed to be this kind of buffer. Um, so for me, it was kind of a, a fairness issue because a lot of people bought this property back when we were approving houses on them. And now suddenly due to a, some case law, we're not. And I wanted to fix that and give these people back their property rights. But I could not get support of a single commissioner that was at yesterday's board meeting. Commissioner Farr was, or Chair Farr was absent from the meeting. So, you know, I'm sure I probably would have had his support. But Heather Buck, Joe Burney, and Lori Trieger poo-pooed that idea. They didn't even want to go there. Now, mind you, the three of them also would not help me the week before, and I talked about this last week, to try and direct staff to interpret existing law which hasn't had any case law change it, but they've changed the interpretation of it, is they're now telling people that if your house burns down on F2 land, you don't have an automatic replacement right. You have to start from the beginning, which gets you to this whole thing about big game habitat. So if you've got an existing house on a piece of property that's less than 80 or 40 acres and it burns down for any reason, you may not be able to replace it now. And I couldn't get their help on either of those issues. Heather Buck is running ads on TV and has sent out mailers talking about she is the queen of housing and she's going to, you know, solve the affordable housing issue. I couldn't get her to support trying to make it so people could build houses on impacted forest lands people that probably bought that property thinking that eventually they're going to build that house out in the woods that they're going to retire to. People that might have bought that piece of property as a long-term investment, knowing that they could sell it to somebody that wanted to build that house out in the woods. Not a single bit of support from those three commissioners. And Lori Trieger went so far as to say, well, I really don't want to do this because our planning staff's so busy, we can't add this to their workload because they're busy because of the, the you know, fire recovery efforts. House Bill 2289 that passed over just about a year ago, right now the governor signed it, waived all planning approvals for fire reconstruction from the Labor Day fires. So our planning staff is not busy with fire reconstruction, but she just used that as one of her excuses to why, you know, why this, she felt that we couldn't do this. What's really behind it is all three of those commissioners are in the pocket of Landwatch Lane County, that anti-development, anti-housing organization. And anyone that's, that's sticking to Landwatch Lane County's point of view is not pro-housing. Landwatch Lane County has stopped more people from being able to build on their property and, and put houses up than any organization I know in Lane County. 
So, you know, as you get got your ballots there and you're thinking about voting, think about who supports housing and who doesn't. And I will tell you that Don Leslie is cut from the same cloth as Heather Buck and Joe Bernie when it comes to this kind of zoning issue. She's going to listen to Landwatch, not the property owners. But if you own F2 zone land in Lane County, you should be calling Heather Buck and saying, I thought you were for housing. Why didn't you support Commissioner Bozovich's effort to fix the decision around big game habitat? And while you're at it, you might also ask her why she voted for the, the new floodplain regulations that make it hard for anyone in a floodplain zone to develop their property. I mean, she shows time and time again by how she votes or doesn't vote that she really doesn't support housing as strongly as she claims to. We need to get people into office that will defend private property owners' rights to build their houses and make it easy for people to build houses because, as I've said before, our projections are in order to get back to a balanced housing market in Lane County, we need to build over 16,000 homes in Lane County in the next five years. Every house counts. So that's really, um, really an important issue that we have to pay attention to is, is when commissioners are supporting housing and, and housing anywhere, that, it, that it's allowed to under our rural comprehensive plan and state law. Not like I'm, I'm asking for permission to build, you know, a house in the middle of a swamp or, or to build a house out in our protected F1 zones. I'm talking about impacted forest lands or in some of our RR that's in floodplains that they've made it so difficult now. It, it's just, it amazes me that on one hand, they're all about, oh, you know, there's a housing crisis and we got to help the homeless and everything else. And then they do everything they can to make it hard for people to build houses on their own property. There has to be some change. Those of you not watching on Facebook Live, I'm pointing to my Ryan Sanaga for West Lane Commissioner hat. <laughs> Ryan gets it, growing up in, in rural West Lane County as he did. Yeah, you know, so I, we just, you know, this whole issue, particularly with the people that are being told they may not be able to rebuild after a fire, has got to change. We got to have commissioners that will support efforts to fix those problems, not ones that will shy away and go, "Oh, well, the legislature needs to make a change here or change there." The legislature is not going to meet till next year, and they may not even take up this issue. And if you can get it run through and all that, you know, I've tried to get land use laws changed at the legislature. It takes years sometimes, and then you're lucky if you just get you know, move the needle a little ways with the legislature. 
we can make these changes locally. So just be aware that the queen of housing wouldn't support my efforts to make it easier for people to build a house on their property. And the queen of housing also voted to increase their own pay earlier this year. Worked in an executive session to, to you know, just closed door executive sessions on vaccine mandates, tried to get our, 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 uh, County Council fired and cost us $200,000 in extra pay for him. Um, you know, maybe you ought to think about a change there if you're in East Lane County. Maybe it's time for Kyle Blaine, somebody who really knows housing, somebody who grew up in a family that built houses and worked on houses and project managed house construction and now actually does the financing for people to get into houses. I think he might know the housing market a little bit better <laughs> and understand what it takes to get a house built. Oh. My goodness, sorry. Um, <laughs> this one got me a little fired up and, and the week before I was really fired up about it because I really felt like I was not being given the, the complete truth and, and the whole truth from staff about the fact that there really wasn't recent case law changes around the fire replacement in F2. And I really don't like being snowed, particularly when it's in a, during a public meeting. But we got so much to talk about. I'm going to remind folks again, we are calling show 646-721-9887. And um, don't forget to press one so we know you want to talk. 646-721-9887 is how you get into the show. And uh, we'll get you on the air and, and you can ask your question or change the topic the way you want. If you don't call in and change the topic, I'm going to change the topic a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll get away from, you know, zoning code and stuff like that. Um, and we're going to move to a more national focus for the, the next you know, couple sections of, of the Bo's Nose show here, because I have got to talk about the Ministry of Truth. And uh, I, I, yeah, I know that's not its real name. It's actually the Disinformation Governance Board. Um, and uh, it's being formed by the Department of Homeland Security. But I just see that we got somebody that's uh, jumped on Robin with her hand up. And I'm going to go ahead and call her. What's your name? And, and, and do you have a question or a topic change? Hey, hey Jay, this is Micah McComber. Uh, I was calling uh, about the F2 template drawing. Can you hear me? Hey, Micah. Yeah. Hey, I watched the meeting and I gave some comment yesterday, and I appreciate all that you're doing. Um, I have a question. I looked at the agenda for next Tuesday, and it looks like public comments next Tuesday morning. Would that – there's only two of us that testify or gave comment yesterday morning about this topic. If, 
if we had 10 or 15 people next Tuesday give public comment on this, would that change anything? Would that sway any other board members? Um, it might. It, you know, the more, you know, they're elected officials and public pressure is something that they understand in, in some ways. They're hearing from, you know, they heard from two people supporting the changes and trying to fix the F2 problems yes, yesterday in public comment. Mm-hmm. But in the background, they're hearing from five or six land watch advocates telling them don't change anything. That the NIMCIS decision that created this problem of big game habitat is the correct way to go. So, um, yeah, I would, I would, if you can rally a bunch of F2 and anyone listening that's an F2 property owner that wants to, to give public comment, you know, the more they hear um, from the public that this is a problem, you know, they need to hear from somebody that bought that 20 acre piece that's now being told they're not going to be able to build a house. You know, just, you know, the dreams that have been shattered by this NIMCIS decision. And, and um, you know, people need to, to, to cut, you know, testify. And, and if you can't make, you know, nine o'clock and, and um, be able to testify about that, I think um, emails, uh, public testimony works well. I mean, if, you know, email the entire board and say, you know, I'd like this to be, um, you know, put in the public record as public testimony. Um, you know, I'm an F2 property owner. I'm greatly disappointed that the county isn't doing more to fix the big game habitat problem. So I'm able to build my house. Um, you know, whatever your story is, or if you're an F2 owner that has a house now and you're worried about being able to rebuild the house if you have a fire. Um, They need to hear about that because if they're not hearing from property owners about this, they think it's just a small problem. In fact, you know, Commissioner Trigger yesterday not only tried to push this off because it was going to make our staff too busy, she also said it's such a small amount of housing that it really isn't significant. It's not going to solve the housing problem if we fix this problem. Well, I tell you, if you're a property owner, it's significant to you. So, Micah, yes, yep. rally the folks. Get some people to testify. <laughs> we we are, and I'd, I'd love to uh, really make it clear to them, too, that their stance yesterday was – if somebody's house burns down their F2 and they're not 80 acres, which is most, most all of them, that instead of them clarifying and fixing this, they're putting it on each individual property owner to fight for themselves, go through a year-long battle, and spend tens of thousands of dollars to get maybe to, to, to finally see if they could possibly rebuild or not. And and they open themselves up to Land Watch Lane County contesting it, and and they they'll spend ten thousand plus dollars and not even know whether or not they'll be able to rebuild. And the county's ignoring it and letting everyone else just go out on their own. And it's yeah. it's frustrating. It's it's completely frustrating. I think there's many uh, aspects of that meeting yesterday that that I think the Lane County Planning Department wasn't being completely honest and open about. I believe that they, you know, they they say they're not interpreting the code 
and they're not interpreting it a different way now that they're reading they're, they say that they're they're reading the code the right way and well why don't they admit that they were reading the code the wrong way for 29 years then and all of a sudden now they're reading the code the right way well you guys were wrong for 29 years you're telling us and sorry yeah. about everyone's luck who's bought land invested in their property sorry about that we made the mistake they won't even say they made a mistake and it it's just it's just infuriating i mean big game management objectives from 1983 of odfw saying that putting houses in, in denser than 80 acres is is harming big game deer and elk and if you go look at big game in national Willamette national forest you're going to find less deer and elk than you do in my backyard so it, it's it's insane i mean i better stop and let you let you go no it's okay i i like hearing from from you know many voices um and and I reminded the board, I said, if you're worried about big game, you know, try and grow a garden in the South Hills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, those long-legged gophers with horns uh, tend to eat everything in, in a, your yard if you live in the South Hills of Eugene. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Well, well appreciate, I appreciate I, I, what you what you do. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for calling in and, and and bringing that to our attention. Yeah, it's, you know, Micah testified yesterday in our board meeting um, and uh, did a good job, but the board just wasn't listening to him. So I see we've got um, Guy with his hand up. Guy, you wanted to weigh in on this or something else? Hey, Jay, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, you know, I actually, if you wanted to save me towards the end of your show, that's fine as well. I I don't have anything to add to to the the dilemmas you're facing with uh, with the board there. I I was going to talk to you a little bit about what's going on nationally and uh, maybe what your thoughts are for the future. I know you're getting ready to to leave as a county commissioner and. Uh, as a, an ex-elected official, I think I I can understand and commiserate a little bit with, with why you're ready to be done. Um, it, it's certainly an uphill battle to bring reasonableness to a place that is basically funded by a bunch of unreasonable special interest groups. And uh, I know that's a fight you're fighting to the best of your ability there. Um, I, I certainly feel for you. And, and I, yeah. I'm curious, and I imagine more of us are curious, you know, what, what are your plans in the future here? Yeah, I, I've, I've talked about them on the show before, Guy, and, and we'll, we'll switch over to the national stuff here in a second. Uh, so I, we'll get to that question next. But I'll just tell you, my, my plans for um, – I'm getting a little bit of feedback, Robin. not quite sure why. Uh, my plans for the future are basically retirement. Um, I, I'm turning 65 right before the end of my term here. Um, and uh, my wife and I have both worked hard and saved some money, and um, we are actually going to retire. <laughs> well, if, if you don't mind, and I, I, I know you 
I know you probably want to on your show, but well, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little feedback from you. Are you on a speakerphone guy? Yeah, I am. Let me get off the speakerphone here. We'll try it that way. How's that? A little better? Yeah, it's better. Okay, sorry. Um, you know, I, I, I left the school board over at Sayaslaw because I, I just absolutely got fed up with with the fight that special interest wants to have over our children in the United States and in the state of Oregon. Um, and I was, we sold our house and we were getting ready to leave when it, it dawned on me that, that the argument I've been making to young men and women here in the state of Oregon needs to maybe apply to me as well. That, you know, if, if we all head for greener pastures or other places that maybe agree more with us instead of staying here to fight for a state that I really, truly love, um, anybody, any favors. And I know the fight's hard, and, uh, you know, it, it, sometimes you get it from all sides, and sometimes it just seems like you can't win. I want you to know that, uh, that there are a lot of people that think the world of, of what you've done in the past and uh, really appreciate everything you've done, whether you, you stay in the fight with us or not. Uh, I certainly understand. Um, but uh, I hope that you make yourself available to uh, to the uh, the generation I guess that's coming after you here uh, that's that's going to need a lot of advice because you and I both know that there's a there's a big gap between getting elected and uh, and actually legislating and that's yeah. a huge hill that a lot of people just don't realize they're going to have to climb after they actually get into the office and uh, could really use some sound advice from time to time. Well, I I plan to keep. Uh in touch with the, you know, the three candidates I've endorsed for county commissioner, uh, should they win, um, to, to, you know, be available for questions and mentor, uh, their, um, their work. You know, I, I, I work, um, quite a bit with, with some other, you know, from city councilors, uh, to state legislators, just, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other and, and, keeping them informed of issues and, and all. So I, I, you know, I probably won't stop that part. <laughs> I'll still be an advocate out there. I just won't be an elected official. Um, so, and, and Rob and I have talked about, you know, once I'm no longer an elected official, the muzzle comes off a little bit for the Bose nose show. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I can understand that completely. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I stay away from some topics and, 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 and you know, kind of uh, put a bit of a governor, governor on myself at times, uh, even, although I'm, I'm not too bashful about expressing my opinions. But, um, it, it, you know, there's a certain amount that I just don't go there because I am still having to work with some people or, you know, uh, try and, and, and be effective as, as a legislator, which is, you know, that's really as a county commissioner, you are a legislator. Um, that's the major portion of your duties uh, is, is making code and law. Um, and uh, the rest of it is is peripheral to that. You know, so um, being an effective legislator means you don't 
necessarily go crazy on on your your radio show that you're really doing to try and reach out and, and inform and, and give an opportunity for people to contact you. Um, but once I'm no longer an elected official, um, the Bose Nose Show may get more entertaining. I may do more humor. I may do more more uh, national focus and, and statewide um, than, I, than I stay on the county. Um, so uh, there's that coming too. <laughs> well, good. I'm I'm certainly glad to hear that we'll uh, we'll still have your voice around here. I hope so. And uh, you know we'll we'll be able to talk about all sorts of things like the Ministry of Truth or, or uh, you know Supreme Court leaks. Uh, well, I'm hanging out for that conversation too, but I'll I'll wait till you get to it before I raise my hand on that. <laughs> all right. Well, we're, we're probably going to be moving on to that pretty quickly. So uh, I'll I'll if you you press one again, then I'll lower your hand there on the board, and and uh, we'll we'll get back to you if we see your hand come back up. Sounds good. So, guy, you know, it's one of these people that calls in and listens through his phone, and then he just presses that little one so his hand goes up and down so we can bring bring him in on the conversation. But, again, reminding folks, it's 646-721-9887. And, you know, you press one, that toggles your little hand um, up and down. Um so I do want to get to some of these national stories, and I, I do want to get to the uh, disinformation governance board that Homeland Security is um, getting together. And, and just think about – Jay, I'm sorry, but we got a call. Of, you're supposed to be very limited on what you say here. Uh, um Oh no! Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, gosh, I don't know. The Ministry of Plenty um, also is probably going to weigh in on this conversation. <laughs> For people that don't understand the Ministry of Truth reference, you know. Orwell's 1984 dystopian novel, that was one of the four ministries that the government ran, and they were actually in charge of rewriting history and current events, and you couldn't question their version of it. And sometimes their version changed with time to suit their needs. Uh, um, Yeah, it's a scary idea to think that government should be discerning what's disinformation and, you know, and doing something about it uh, under the guise of Homeland Security, which even having a department called Homeland Security should kind of be scary for folks. Um, you know, we are, you know, the federal government is supposed to be in charge of national security which means from our borders out, <laughs> things internal are supposed to be run by the states. There's not supposed to be a federal police force. But, you know, that, that's one of those things where we, you know, we've, we've run over that line in the Constitution so much now, it's hardly uh, even in existence anymore. 
But the idea that there's going to be some kind of board discerning true information from disinformation should scare you. And and my, you know, way of trying to get this through to people, because more people have seen the Harry Potter movies or read the Harry Potter novels than have read Orwell now, is that fifth Harry Potter novel called, you know, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. I think that was the fifth one. Um, is probably one of the greatest object lessons in government overreach and free market <laughs> solutions that I've ever seen in my life, you know. But in it, the Ministry of Magic is attempting to suppress the idea that there is, you know, this dark wizard has come back to life and is, you know, a threat to the wizarding world and the whole world in general. And uh, they're doing everything they can to muzzle Harry Potter or anyone else speaking in that way to the point they send, you know, a teacher, quote, who's an administrator from the Ministry of Magic to be a teacher to teach the defense of dark arts without really actually doing defense of dark arts because they're claiming it's not needed anymore. And, you know, that's kind of the premise of the movie. Um, and, you know, you, you watch them try and suppress, you know, information. And that's, you know, having a, a disinformation governance board, how is that going to be used? Particularly seeing the person they've chose to put in charge of it board and agreed with all the disinformation about the, the Russians uh, colluding with President Trump that the that that multi-year multi-million dollar investigation proved was not true and was purely uh, more disinformation really from the Clinton campaign than it was anything else um, but she, you know, put that forward as truth. Speaking of information, disinformation, what's true, what's disinformation, and said that the Hunter Biden laptop was and false and promoted that story prior to the election. That every, everything that the New York Post was saying about the Hunter Biden laptop was false, which we found out is all true. That's the person that's going to be in charge of this new ministry of truth. You should be scared about this because it's about one of the most basic freedoms. And, and, you know, I sort of agree with, with some of the people that didn't want a bill of rights that we shouldn't have to list any of our freedoms because unless they're explicitly expressed as a power of the government, we retain those, which fortunately they, they repeated in the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. Um, but they made a point of making one of the very first freedoms that they listed in the Bill of Rights, freedom of speech in the press. 
the public's supposed to be able to determine what's true and false on their own. They don't need the government suppressing any sort of speech. You know, and in the days of when the, you know, the Constitution was being written, there was some of the worst disinformation being put out by, you know, handbills, you know, they call it the yellow press at the time, between Jefferson and um, some of his rivals, like Hamilton, and um, it, it, it was horrible stuff. <laughs> They would put it out about each other, just trying to tear each other down, and 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 also, yeah, they understood freedom of the press very strongly. So uh, it's you know such a basic freedom, you know, to be able to say what you want without being labeled a criminal for saying something. Because what's the next step after? The disinformation governance board determines something's disinformation. If you're caught disseminating that, is there going to be some kind of enforcement mechanism? Is speech going to become criminal, like it was in 19 in Orwell's 1984? Are we going to get new dictionaries defining words in different ways? Hmm. Have we been redefining words lately? Hmm, maybe. The Ministry of Truth just and is just a scary concept. And we should be questioning that heavily. You know, and you know, the, the claims are it's not going to be anything about free speech. This is really about you know, misinformation that's being brought in um, into the country illegally or something or being provided to illegal immigrants. It's like, what? That makes no sense at all. And it's interesting that this disinformation board's being formed ahead of a, you know, national election coming up in November. And it's kind of interesting that it's being formed just a few days before we hear about a leak coming out of the Supreme Court of a draft decision. Now, mind you, draft decisions aren't final decisions, but the idea that somebody would leak working documents out of the Supreme Court that has never happened before, ever, with the idea that, you know, there's only one reason somebody would have leaked that document, which is to try and gain a whole bunch of public uproar pressure on the court. And I, I think I see, um, I'm going to check in with Guy here because your hands kind of stayed up and I saw you come and go there for a second. Guy, did you want to jump in on either of these topics? Yeah, the, the Supreme Court especially. Um, am I sounding okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. All right. Sorry, I was outside before. Um, you know, I, I, I just want to touch on something I think a lot of people are missing about this Supreme Court leak. First time in history ever been a leak of uh, what is essentially one judge's thoughts to the other judge's uh during this and uh it, it it's it's a it's a bigger problem 
than the actual um, law or uh, the, the Roe v. Wade decision that the, the, the judges are, are grappling with at the moment. And you're right. We, we don't know what the actual decision is. But, of course, you know, this has been now cause for riots and um, all sorts of, you know, news takes and whatnot. And the problem now is that no matter which way the court rules on this particular issue, it's going to seem tainted to one side or the other. And the bigger problem in that is that we have now eroded what is essentially the highest court in our land and our justice system. And as we do these things, as we allow these things to happen, right, the reason we don't have anarchy in the street, the reason, you know, people don't take justice into their own hands is because we all kind of believe in this system of justice that we have. But when we do things like this, when we, when we leak the judges' opinions to one another before they're public, um, we erode the public's trust in that very institution. And as we erode that institution's trust, people will start doing their own things. And, and this kind of goes back to what you were talking about before at the very beginning of the show, whereas people start realizing that they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a piece of land that they now can't build on, doing things their own way. <clears throat> That's human nature. And the reason we have laws and courts and these systems is to stop the more egregious of our human nature from taking hold of what is our civilization. And we are essentially breaking down our civilization. No matter what the judges decide now, right, whether they decide for or against Roe v. Wade, one side or the other is going to say it's because of the leak. And now that's a way to start undermining the court. And, and I believe that's exactly why this leak was put out, was to literally undermine the court. And, and this is a huge problem. This is a very, very big problem. It, it gets to something that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to express to people all the time. Whether you agree or disagree with someone, you need to try to listen to them. And you need to not attack them personally, no matter what their opinion is. You, you know, you, you may not ever get them to change their mind. And you and I have talked about this before. People will rarely change their minds um, if you're not a trust source of information to them. But, but people do listen. And, and over time, you know, opinions are met. And, and generally, you know, in the middle, uh, we meet somewhere. And, and good comes of that. Almost always good comes of that. You know, we, we always say that this is the best or this is the worst form of government on the planet Earth, with the exception of every single other one. But we're doing everything we can to destroy what we've got. And, and this leak it is a big blow against what was one of the few institutions in this country that people truly believed in. It was always, and I'm, I'm sure it was when you were younger and I was younger as well, you know, if the Supreme Court said it, well, that was what it was. We didn't like it sometimes. Sometimes we did, but that was what it was. The Supreme Court has ruled. Now it's, well, you know, who's going to leak at the Supreme Court, and are they going to rule because of that leak? Yeah. It, you know, it, just imagine you're on trial, you know, for murder, and, the, you know, during the deliberations of the jury, one of the jurors' arguments in favor of convicting you is leaked 
you know, to the public. And, and, and or, or one of the jurors' arguments in favor of, of, you know, finding you not guilty gets leaked to the public. And then there's a public protest against that opinion that the jurors are aware of. Does that taint your, your, you know, you know, if it ultimately, you know, you might have actually gotten off or you might have been found guilty, but does that taint the, the jury verdict? Of course it does. Sort of like some, you know, uh, congressional representative, you know, threatening the jury in, in a certain police officer's trial in Minnesota. Um, you know, but, you know, it amazed me, though, that this leak came out and within hours there was a mob protesting at the Supreme Court. Do you think that maybe there was some kind of plan, you know, that that protest had been planned in advance because they knew that they knew the leak was coming? I mean, it was a big protest. Well, they had, that doesn't automatically. They had, they had awfully professional-looking signs, didn't they? Uh, they sure signs did. generally take a week or week or so to get, you know, printed up. Or, or yeah, and it, you know, and it's a shame, and it's a dangerous, dangerous game we're playing here. And you know, I, and I, I don't want to be hyperbolic about this, but you start hearing it more and more about the possibility of an American civil war, and. And it, it's real important that everybody on all sides understands that war begins and ends exactly the same way. And you can choose which one of the two ways you want to end it, but it, it, both ways are exactly the same. You either sit down and talk things out and come to a solution, or and then you sit down and talk things out and come to a solution. And you know, we need to start talking, and we've got to stop this. We, we've got to start going by the rules we all agreed to go by, which are the constitutions and and these institutions that are supposed to uphold our public trust. We certainly need to get some money out of the way um, and and be human beings again, because the the places we're headed to when we start losing the trust in these organizations that hold our civilization together is a very, very dark place and uh, a place we certainly don't want to be. Yeah. And, you know, you watched, um, you know, what, what happened in Portland last night where they actually were destroying private property over this leaked draft, you know, first draft decision by one justice, um, you know, what's going to happen when the final decision comes out? You know, that's basically what they're they're trying to hint at to the rest of the justices is you better go the direction we want or we're going to tear the world down. You know, and that sort of um, mob justice anarchy pressure on the highest court of law in our land, you know, really does tear at the fabric of what, you know, our civil society, you know, the whole, whole reason we form government is to protect our private property and enforce contracts and protect us from each other, you know, and part of that protection is a court system. It's one of the most basic functions of a government. And one of the most primary functions of government is a court system, a court, you know, 
to adjudicate contract disputes, to give people their rights in a criminal prosecution and protect people from future crime by doing that adjudication. Just such a basic function and to tear at the fabric of the highest court in the land by this leak. is I, I hope that they, the investigation finds out who did it and they prosecute that person to the maximum. I, I certainly agree. I'm, I'm just afraid that the damage is done. Um, I, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I, I, I don't know how this, I, at this point, you know, you would almost expect the justices to say, because of this, we're not going to be able to make any decision one way or another, because how could you, I mean, how, how could you now, in any way, shape, or form, make a decision on this um, without it seeming tainted one way or the other. Uh, and that's a shame because, I mean, that's all they're there to do. Um, and, you know, you're right. I, you know, and now, now people in Portland and, and other places are suffering because of this. People who had nothing to do with it, people who may very well agree with one side or the other. Uh, are suffering it, and if they've lost trust in this justice system, what are those people going to do? Um, because yeah, sooner yeah. or later, right, the unheard are going to be heard. Yeah, and the DA in Multnomah County is is refusing to prosecute, you know, some of these these folks that are doing this property damage. That makes you the guy that owns the piece of property. Go, what the heck? Maybe I should bring my my firearm into my my building and the next thing you know they take the law in their own hands and they use deadly force to protect property which is not a good thing right. yeah well of course that's a that's a downward spiral right you know you shoot somebody yep. because they're taking their livelihood away from you and you hurt them which hurts their parents their loved ones and they shoot you and you know this is this is where it all starts going really really wrong and it's a cliff edge we're standing on that we need to start thinking about a little bit um, because no one's going to win. And at the end of the day, <clears throat> at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, we're still going to end up having to talk to one another and figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. Sorry, don't I'll, disagree I'll, with that. Um, I'll put my hand in. <laughs> Thanks, Guy. Um, and I really appreciate the, you know, the thought about talking to um, each other is really important. Uh, you know, hopefully, a, you know, this show gives an opportunity for folks to talk to me, like like you've taken the, the initiative to do. Um, and uh, we're just about out of time for the Bo's Nose Show, because, you know, I, I, one of the things I'd, I'd like to get to somewhat and drill down, and maybe, Guy, we can have this conversation next week or something, is, who benefits from pushing us towards that chaos? And is there actually people that want that, you know, that are looking for us to get to civil war or, or you know, society, breakdown of society and trust in institutions? You know, who benefits from that? Well, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Bose Nose Show. Hopefully maybe we won't have to get into technical zoning stuff or anything like that. 
and we might have something more cheerful to talk about than um, the Ministry of Truth or Supreme Court leaks. Uh, but uh, everybody get out there and enjoy this great weather in the Pacific Northwest because it's going to go south tomorrow. Um, and uh, just have a great week. And thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.